You are now entering the Bloodless. Your hosts are the intrepid and all-knowing Jason T. Gaffney and the insipid and unknowing Kevin Held. Join these two buddies as they explore history and find the bright side in shitty things. Hello. Hello. You're on the bright side with Kevin and Jason. I am your co-host, Kevin Held. And I'm your other co-host, Jason T. Gaffney. Yes, and you are on the bright side on a very dark day for America. Yep. (laughs) We're uh, recording uh, on the day that Justice Kennedy decided to announce that he will retire at the end of July. And I'm thinking, oh, God, no. Yep, good job, asshole. <laughs> so that's going on. Mm-hmm. So today, of, of all days, we certainly have to find the bright side of stuff, don't we? There's no bright side to that. I don't know. Time will tell. Fortunately, yeah. it's a current tragedy that we don't have to delve into for another couple of years. <laughs> oh, good luck, America. Yep. Um, so, But we're not talking about that today. Uh, we're talking... <laughs> Even though that's the that's the big thing on my mind right yeah. now, yeah. Uh, except that there's so much more stuff going on. I in know. The world every day, I got to see uh, I got to see the game in chorus sing. Well, I you know what? Let's jump right into it because this is what I was going to talk about for the bright spot. So, I'm excited. As let's talk about it. This past weekend, as you know, I did a concert with the Gay Men's Chorus of Los Angeles. We did our summer concert at the Alex Theater in Glendale. Okay. I love that organization. Thank you for coming. Yeah, it was wonderful. I I love being a part of that organization, um, and partly because of the thing that happened on Saturday. Um, Well, first of all, the Saturday night show and the Sunday show were wonderful. These were just pure bright spots in my life. Uh, I did drag for the first time. How'd it go? Uh, great. It was crazy. I was playing uh, Frankenfurter from Rocky Horror Show. Did you spray glitter everywhere? I didn't spray glitter. He's too butch for that. I he know. is in panties and a garter belt and, and fishnets <laughs> and heels, sure, but just strutting like a man and arms swinging and, and super fun. And untucked, right? Oh, completely untucked. Yeah. yeah Frankenfurter does not tuck. Like a gender, gender fuck right. kind of. Oh, very character. much. Very much so. So I was actually really lucky. For for a first time in drag, it was great, because I didn't have to be fishy or anything. Yeah. I could be very, you know, macho. And it was... It's kind of like punk rock. Yeah, yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, it's Velvet Underground kind of situation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that was, a, it was wonderful. I was dancing, I was singing, I was, I had a fantastic time. Now we had, you You might have men- noticed that I mentioned the two shows that we had on, on Saturday night and Sunday. We had three shows. Uh, we had a Saturday matinee. And at that matinee, something happened that in the 80 years of history at the Alex Theater had never happened. And in the 40, going on 40 years of history of Gay Men's Chorus of Los Angeles has also never happened. After the first number of uh, the first act, the curtain came down, the stagehands came on and said, everybody needs to evacuate the building. And all of the, all of us on the risers for the chorus and um, all of the dancers and all of the Audience members had to es- escape the building, evacuate the building, because there was a bomb threat uh, called in to the theater. Which is shitty. It's very shitty. Yeah. It's really shitty, and, and it makes me sad and angry, but mostly sad that somebody was... Um, that hateful. Well, yeah, and it really enjoyed that, and really got like a kick out of that, and, and it needed to stop something gay. Right. You know? Well, and they're, they are inherently now a terrorist. Well, yeah. And that's what the idea of terrorism is. Sure. I mean, it was stopped by a terrorist threat, yes. The matinee was stopped. We had to evacuate. They had to bring in bomb-sniffing dogs. Nobody that I spoke to for a moment thought it was real. We all thought it was what it was. Somebody didn't like a gay thing and needed to stop it. Okay? Now, that's the shitty part, okay? Um, You need a shitty part to find a bright side in it, right? Right. So, the bright side was what happened after. We had... You know, 600 people in the audience and 200 people on stage were all evacuated to the street, and we were evacuated with no warning. So, it's a just lot a of swarm of like a thousand people. Suddenly. Oh, completely, and all in crazy outfits. I was wearing a tuxedo, <laughs> and uh, you know, we had drag queens melting in Glendale in yeah. the summer. You know, um, and so we were just all spit out onto the street, carrying what we whatever we had. There were men with. Uh, what they were wearing was their tap shoes, you I know. Tap shoes. We had men with co- with ha- top hats and canes, you know, and tap shoes walking down the street. I know you love tap shoes. Um, I mean, that's my like 
fantasy to get like locked out with a tap sound <laughs> wall and just like start dancing in the street. That's fun. It's your fantasy and everyone else's nightmare. nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we had these. We had the drag queens out there, and, and a lot of people didn't have their phone or their money. Um, and we didn't know how long it was going to be that we were out there. So we sort of, it, you know, ironically, it looked like a gay bomb went off out there because of all the <laughs> makeup and, the, and the, the boas and the craziness, you know. And all this, you know, the concert was called Think Pink. So there's pink dabs of color everywhere. That's right, because you had pink in your little pocket square, right? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. we did, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was just like uh, an army of, you know, pink-encrusted gay men were just like... On the street in Glendale, you know, which <laughs> is fabulous. So all I could think about is like the idea that you just look like a bunch of penguins all going, hey, hey, <laughs> yeah, sure. And they were, and people were throwing fish at us. It was crazy. <laughs> uh, but You're so fish girl, <laughs> it was real fishy. <laughs> um, the real bright side, bright spot to me that about that was what happened after we got evacuated because we didn't know when we could go back to the theater. Okay. We eventually had to cancel the matinee show because the sweep of the building was going to take too long because they were being safe, and they had to be. Okay. Um, but the sweep of the building was going to take too long for us to do the night show, right? We never didn't think we were going to do the night show. And we all went around to different places to kill time in Glendale. Right. You know, where, near where the theater was because none of us had our car keys. None of us had, you know, money. <laughs> I had my phone on me so I could buy stuff at Starbucks. So yeah. I was okay. <laughs> Um, but a lot of people didn't have that. And here's the thing. The businesses around there, the word of what happened spread really fast. Right. And the businesses around there started giving us all sorts of stuff. The embassy suites up the way, like about a mile away in Glendale, found out about it and donated a conference room so that all the drag performers could get together, cool off oh, and be that. somewhere yeah. in their underwear and drag stuff, you know, because that's what they got evacuated in, uh, from the theater. So they're mid-change, basically. Oh, completely. Or not changed yet because the number hadn't come up yet or right. they had just had their makeup on and nothing else. Uh, and it's hot. It's been hot it was hot in Glendale that day. And uh, so they gave them that space to that's be great. safe. Thank you. Um, sweets. There was a number of uh, restaurants in the area, too, that recognized that people, like, were left without money in the middle of the day and were giving lunch, you know. A couple of people went down to the BJ's that's near there, uh, and I see you're smirking. And, yeah, sometimes if you're saying, you know, we're going to go get some BJ's. Well, the first time I heard saying, that, I was expecting something. A lot of gay men getting free BJ's. Yeah, I was, yeah. <laughs> the first time I heard it, I was expecting something other than a bison burger, but fine. Uh, but, you're like, oh... It's a salad. <laughs> and it's already tossed. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> but uh, when they found out, you know, what was going on, they were comping food for okay. the performers. Uh, a place called Gaucho's Restaurant was giving, like, gave away free food as well. Ga Gaucho, not Groucho? Not Groucho. Gaucho's. Gaucho. Yeah, okay. it was, I think, a Brazilian place. So in, they weren't, like, Glendale. walking around kind of in a squat with a cigar and being like, hey, have some food, you see? No. <laughs> No, I want to open that restaurant now. <laughs> well, you're welcome to. <laughs> uh, but it was just really, really moving to see how the community responded very, very quickly, you know, to the people who were stranded in, 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 in the street. I love that. You know? And so while there was somebody who couldn't stand a gay thing happening and needed to shut it down, uh, the vast majority of the people who responded to that responded with love and acceptance well, and... Come and let us help you. It actually, it, it, to me, it backfired on them. Because what happened mm -hmm. was they wanted to stop the gay thing from happening so that people wouldn't see it and mm -hmm. it wouldn't be loved. And all that mm -hmm. happened is way more people saw this than would have if the show had just been allowed to happen. Possibly so, because and we offered reticketing to everybody who was in the 2 o'clock show. And so most of those people came back for the Sunday we had or a, the Saturday night. We had some people sitting near us in the Sunday mm -hmm. matinee who were cheering from being... Having been there yeah. the day before, sure. And and we got, yes, exactly. We got massive, uh, you know, uh, media coverage yep. about it because it's never happened before for right. us or for that theater, you know. And so, yeah, I, I that, that's another bright spot I hadn't thought about. Yeah, that we actually got more attention because of the action of somebody who wanted to shut us down. And it would have been really easy for you all to say, it's too scary, I don't want to do this. The fact that you guys still did it and the fact that the audience still showed up sent a loud message to uh, everyone, including the gay youth of this nation, that, like, no, we're not going to let you just 
suffer. That's right. Like, we're here for you. Well, it was. we never felt like it was an option. It was never going to be an option to not do the other shows. Nobody. That was never an idea that was floated by anyone I heard. Right. It was always, of course we're doing it. Right. This is ridiculous that it's happening. We won't be stopped by that. Right. You know? And I had friends coming as well uh, to the uh, to a couple of shows. I told everybody that I that I knew was coming. You know, here's information you need to know. This is what just happened. I remember getting that phone call and being yeah. like, "You should be in the show. Why are you yeah. calling me?" Uh, right, exactly. <laughs> and you and and my mother and aunts came yeah. on Sunday as well, and some other friends from college. You know, and nobody was deterred. Nobody yeah. was like, "Oh, it's too scary." Yeah. Nobody thought, you know, this is real danger. Everyone thought it was what it turned out to be, which was fake. Yeah. You know, a fake, a... A lying liar who yeah. lies. Who lies. A lie. Yeah. yeah. Like my, uh, standards. my friend Burl, who came to the show on, on Sunday, uh, <laughs> was said, said, well, when we th- heard it was a bomb threat, we just thought... Oh, and, and Sarah was saying this, too, my friend Sarah... Uh, was saying, we're New Yorkers. We just think this means we have to go harder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I appreciated that. It's true, though. Yeah. It's, it's At this point, and especially having lived in New York for six years, my thought process is like, oh, you've threatened me? Mm-hmm. Well, now I'm going to kick your teeth in, and then I'm going to go eat my bagel. <laughs> like, it's not like, I'm still having my fucking bagel. Sure, yeah. yeah. I remember I moved to back, I went to NYU for school, and I, I left in 2001. I moved back in 2000. Two in February, just after 9-11. And my mother used to call me with the updates about the terror alert color when they would change it from orange to yellow or from in, yellow to red York. or whatever in New York. She would call me and tell me that. Your mom loves you? She does. It was amazing, you know. Um, but I never knew what the colors meant. I was like, what does that mean? Like, it, it moved from purple to, to aquamarine. And I'm like, ah. Today is fuchsia. Does that mean I should not be on the 1-9? I don't know. Fuchsia so, with polka dots. You know, this stuff, they just can't deter you from living your real life. You right. Know? Otherwise, they win and we can't have that. Yeah. No. So that was, uh, I know we've gone on kind of a minute, but, um, but okay. I wanted to talk about that because it was a very meaningful and big experience that happened for me this week. Well, and I want to say a personal thank you to all of the uh, Gay Men's Chorus of LA and all the Gay Men's Choruses out there, uh, because I wasn't able to celebrate Pride this year because I was working, so this was a way for me to get to, I got to go on the day that New York Pride was, so this mm-hmm. was kind of my little Pride oh, celebration, oh. and uh and I really enjoy the show. It makes me feel like I'm part of the community again. Good. So. Well, we're proud of you. Oh, thanks. All right. Gay. That was... We're gay. <laughs> <laughs> that was the bright spot. That's what I have. Today. I have a result from a poll. Oh, good. Good. Let's the, talk about uh, that. The uh, Coke episode. Wow. It was a, a thrashing for uh-huh. Coke drinkers. Mm-hmm. They only received 8% of the vote. Oh, yeah. gosh. Uh, Pepsi received 25%. Really? No soda for me received fifty percent. Oh, I so see. So thank you, people who don't drink soda. Yeah, you're making the world a little healthier. <laughs> um, and seventeen uh, percent said thirsty and don't care. Oh, they'll so just drink just anything. Single and ready to mingle. I guess so. They are like, let's get freaky with my soda. Thank you for that. <laughs> Can you imagine if like someone's like, I'm really into having people pour soda on me. Yeah, I'm, I, I know that's that. a fetish. I know that that is. I like ice cream. If people are doing wax, then you know they're doing fucking like coke. Is it bubbly? I'm doing coke. Like, yeah. Well, they're also doing coke. They're Patty. doing coke and then all sorts of coke. I do yeah. Argentina. <laughs> what? Oh, Patty LaPone again. <laughs> She's gonna kill me in my sleep. That's amazing. She might. She's gonna uh, just or, with her mind. Yeah. <laughs> or she's gonna show up in my house in the middle of the night and stand over my bed, and I'll wake up and she'll be like, "I don't do coke, bitch." Slap me, and then she'll leave. Horrifying. <laughs> and she leaves and goes metal log. <laughs> And slams the door. Yes. Wow. Okay. All right. Anyway. <laughs> As she's leaving, she's like, "It's about you." Oh my god. Um, so, shall uh, we dive into? Let's the, dive in. The juicy, yeah. juicy meat of things. Fantastic. All right. So, what uh, are we talking about today, Jason? We are uh, going to play a guessing game for this week's topic. Okay. Okay. So, if you win, then you get a high five. Oh, all right. That's a really low-level prize. It sure is. I I didn't have time to get anything special. Thank you for taking the pressure off. (laughs) (laughs) You'll also be shamed if you don't. Oh, okay. Okay. So, uh, it's a really simple game. I feel like the loss of this is way worse than the winning of it. Okay. (laughs) You could get a double high five. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, I'm going to give the clues. Number one, come together. Okay, Beatles. Uh, number two, Eleanor Rigby. Beatles. 
Number three, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Okay, Beatles. Uh, number four, Here Comes the Sun. Okay, I'm, I already got this. Number five, uh-huh. Hey Jude. Hi, hello, how are you? All right, uh, so w- what about the Beatles do you think we're going to talk about? What about the Beatles? That's, yeah. wait, that's that's the question? Yeah. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Their haircuts. No. The... <laughs> No? Do I have to be shamed now? Are you shaming me for not knowing what aspect of the Beatles lore we're talking about Read this it. fucking week? Read this. Read what? <laughs> oh. <laughs> it says in my thing, if he gets it, then a high five. If not, then sadness. So sadness is what I get. No, you get a, one high five because you got the Beatles. We're going to talk about when the Beatles said that they were bigger than Jesus. <gasps> really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Really? So. I was supposed to get that from that? Yep. You're an asshole. All right. So we're going to do... <laughs> <laughs> Nobody could get that from that. What's the one tragedy that happened with the Beatles, other than John Lennon getting shot? Yoko Ono. Yoko Ono. Other than John Lennon getting shot, Yoko Ono, the drug use, <laughs> the haircuts. The haircuts were I'm mad. kidding. They're, they're great. I had bad haircuts growing up. Who hasn't had bad haircuts? So today we're going to talk about how they had a bit of a tragic episode okay. in their band's history. In 1966, John Lennon made the fateful error of suggesting that they were, quote, more popular than Jesus. Wow. So let's have a little history on the Beatles. Please. Shall we? They're amazing. Before we deep dive into this big old scandal okay. with the America's Bible Belt. Look, I've never, I, I heard that they were more, you know, I've, I think I've heard the quote more, you know, bigger than Jesus. Right. But I, this is a whole thing? It exploded. What? Yeah. Okay, wow. so the band formed in Liverpool in 1960. See, I knew that, mostly. In Liverpool, mate. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I'm an actor. Uh, <laughs> the four members that we know and love to this day are John Lennon, Paul McCartney, George Harrison, and Ringo Starr. Yeah. Right? Sure. Okay, uh, Ringo wouldn't start in 1960, though. He would come into play uh, in 1962 as a replacement for Pete Best. Yep. The site I was looking at also claimed that there was... Stuart Sutcliffe, Mm -hmm. Tommy Moore, Norman Chapman, and Chaz Newby, who were all members for like a brief while at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, Some played drums, some bass, two of them sang. Until they found the the Fab Four that really worked. Yeah, none of them were actually called the fifth Beatle the way that Pete Best is. He was like the only one that's kind of like known as the other... I see. The Lost Beatle. I see. He was actually ousted by the original other three members uh, after two years with the band because I guess he was really liked by the population and they were like, fuck that. We don't want the drummer to be the hot guy. If that was the problem that they were trying to fix, they fixed it. Let me say. (laughs) Yeah, nobody likes Ringo over the other three. All right, so Pete Best would be replaced and they would go on to be a mega force around the world. And are arguably still one to this day. Uh, they absolutely are. Yeah. They still have a show, like a Cirque du Soleil show going on. I mean, yeah, Beatles music is everywhere. Yeah. Still. I love Eleanor Rigby. Oh, yeah. Eleanor oh. Rigby. Go ahead. That was my best. That's all I can do. <laughs> In 1963. Do you, do you want to know that none of those notes were right or I'm, no? I know, I know they weren't. Okay, I was, <laughs> that's why I stopped. <laughs> That was great. Um, In uh, 1963, the music would come to America, and I Want to Hold Your Hand would sell over one million copies within weeks. Okay. Like, it was, like, viral. I want to I get into the... Here, let's hold hands. Okay. All right, now... Um, that's awkward. Okay. Okay. That's better. Now I'm... All right, now I'm in the mood to talk about Beatles. Okay. I want to hold your hand. Those were the right notes. Mostly. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) On February 7th, 1964, the Mm -hmm. Beatles would fly to JFK Airport in New York City and were greeted by roughly 3,000 screaming and crying fans. How lovely. Yeah. Oh, Beatles, I'm crying. (laughs) They have snot when they cry. Sure, they do. (laughs) Uh, This is fun. Why didn't you put the wig on? (laughs) It's a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I used to be able to do high pitch sounds. Uh, my balls haven't been slapped in a while. Oh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I would do it, but I'm holding your hand right now. <laughs> so they would perform on the Ed Sullivan Show two days later, and this performance was watched by about 73 million viewers around the nation. Uh, 34% of the USA at that you time. You do that when you have two channels. Yeah. Yeah, that can happen. It was a hit. <laughs> um, according to Jonathan Gould, a uh, biographer, with facts from the Nielsen rating, it was, quote, the largest audience that had ever been recorded from an, for an American television program. Wow. They would then perform at the Washington Coliseum, 
Carnegie Hall, and then one more time on the Ed Sullivan Show, uh, this time to only 70 million viewers before heading back home. Oh, I know. Three million people said, fuck this No shit. way. Yeah. yeah. I don't like these newfangled Beatles. That's, it's amazing that if you, that's amazing when you lose three million fans and still have 70 million. Yeah. <laughs> But the British invasion had officially begun, mm-hmm. and the Beatles would have... The tw- second one. The second British right. invasion, yes. Right. And they would have 12 spots on the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart on the week of April 4th, 1964, and they would command the top five. Wait, in the Hot 100 thing, they had 12 of the songs, and they had all of the top five? Yep. The Beatles themselves? Yeah. Oh, crap. Yeah. Their, I mean, their whole first album basically was like... Everyone a hit. Yeah. Wow. I got to see a show in New York once where someone did a performance of all the number two hits songs out there, mm-hmm. and they did a Beatles medley, because there were about like 15 songs that we love in the world that never made it to number one, but we're all, were number, all two. number twos, and mm-hmm. we think of them as number ones because they were so big, but mm-hmm. they, there was another Beatles song that was number one, <laughs> so <laughs> they funny. never got to number one. Oh, that's funny. Um all right, so they would then go on a world tour, including the good old South and the U.S. of A. later in 1964. Sure. They were going to play the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville, Florida, and found out that the performance was going to be segregated. Uh-huh. So the Beatles told them that they would rather not perform and lose any appearance money than play to a segregated house. The city would cave and let the performance be integrated. Nice job. Yeah. That, well, that's a good good find there. Yeah, I know. Well done. Their next U.S. tour was in 1965, where they played to a record number of 55,000 people in New York. Wow. Um, so we come to 1966. That was Shea Stadium, I think, wasn't it? Probably. I think that, I think they played Shea Stadium. I mean, it was sold out, I'm sure. And... Well, yeah. Yeah. All right, so 1966. Okay. It's the final U.S. tour. Okay. And controversy. Okay. Maureen Cleave, who had apparently done many articles with the Beatles, did another piece on them, because they're like super... They're the Justin Bieber's and Lady Gaga's of the day. Sure. Obviously, for those of you that are young. Yeah. Like, they're the original Justin Bieber and Lady Are Gaga. you talking to your your people now? I'm talking to anyone who might be my age or younger. I hate you so much. <laughs> Everybody knows that I... Look, hey, excuse... Ah, you son of a... The Beatles are before my time. <laughs> I know Dude, you, you... I just know about things. <laughs> but you, you, your parents were, uh, would have listened. Your parents listened to them too. <laughs> I'm so old. I want to hold your hand. No, let go. <laughs> uh, okay, so she would interview each of them one-on-one. Uh, when she went to Lennon's house, uh, she would write that she had in, that, that he had in his house a mm-hmm. gorilla costume, a <laughs> suit of armor from medieval times, <laughs> a life-size crucifix, and a oh. ton of books by various authors which had all shaped how Lennon viewed Christianity. Right, okay, so this is this is... For sure, the drug years. <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's starting. Getting yeah, into yeah. the drug years. Right. Um, she would ask him about the fact that he was spending a lot of time reading about religion, and uh, he was actually bummed out about the world's spirituality. What's there to be bummed about in the world's spirituality? John Lennon would say, quote, Christianity will go, it will vanish and shrink, I needn't argue about that. I'm right, and I'll be proved right. We're more popular than Jesus now. I don't know which will go first, rock and roll or Christianity. Ha! Huh. Jesus was all right, but his disciples were thick and ordinary. Whoa. It's them twisting it that ruins it for me. Wow. Okay, well, now I'm starting to have an idea of why this became a thing. Yep. (laughs) So, no one in the UK would even bat an eye at the statement. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they're the Church of England, and they don't have an actual religion. <laughs> yeah. So, because less and less people were going to church or thought of them as, themselves as religious. Yeah, because when they went to church, it was the Church of England, and there was no point. Yeah. So even the church in England knew that it was struggling, and they were trying to become more modern, right? Right. Uh, so Jonathan Gould would write, quote, The satire comedians had had a field day with the increasingly desperate attempts of the church to make itself seem more relevant. Hmm. For example, they would say, like, don't call me vicar, call me dick. <laughs> Can't you? I, I think can't we find a middle ground and say, Vicar Dick? Vicar Dick? I think. Who doesn't love Vicar Dick? Vicar Dick. I don't know. It's a little salty. <laughs> so wooden, a little wooden, a little old. <laughs> there was a big movement in England to be all about like love, and, and in 1963, uh-huh. John A. T. Robinson, the Anglican Bishop of Woolwich authored a book called Honest to God. It said that we should opt out of the traditions of the church and focus on love. An Anglican bishop yeah. wrote that book? Yeah. Okay. So here's um. the thing. like He had it right, because that's what religion's supposed to be about. Okay. Love. Sure. Anyway, I mean, that's what John Lennon was basically saying. Right, okay. 
Um, so it, opt out of the traditions of the church and focus on love. Right. All right. I mean, you don't actually need religion for that. You, you don't. But, okay. But uh, so anyway, the U.S. of A. However, the old church was very much a thing. Sure. Especially in the south. Well, at least that's better now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're doing great. Uh, after the article appeared in the London Evening Standard, their press guide Tony Barrow sold the uh, the Beatles press guy. Sure. Uh, sold the article to the U.S. magazine Datebook. Okay. Um, it was kind of like the. Uh, so it it would that that whole thing was printed in England first. England first, and it was fine. And people were like, Everyone's yeah, like, no yeah, problem, no, no worries. Then sold to Datebook, which mm-hmm. was kind of the teen vogue of the time. Okay. Basically, uh, the magazine was run by a guy named Arthur Unger. Okay. Um, he was their fearless editor in chief. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also a gay man. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and he was very political, because back then you had to be. Um, you should today also be political. <laughs> go vote, register to vote, and vote in every election you can. Mm-hmm. And he was also in favor of minorities being that he was oppressed and one of them himself. Sure. So he like really liked helping lift up other minorities. And uh, That's nice. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, wish it, I, I wish it worked all, on all sides. Yeah. You know, like... That would be nice. Well, it's kind of like the idea of that bishop saying, like, just love. Mm-hmm. You don't need to hate people. Mm. If something doesn't work for you, don't do it. Mm-hmm. But don't. Anyway. <laughs> the uh, magazine featured pieces on the Peace Corps, mm-hmm. protesting the patriarchal society they lived in, uh, slamming pieces on uh, Jim Crow laws. Mm-hmm. But its largest thing that it had done was pieces on the 1964 Mississippi Freedom Summer Project, which was to help register black voters. Okay. It also featured registration information for the SNCC, the NAACP, and the Congress of Racial Equality. Okay, so this is a very progressive magazine. Okay. So the Beatles, having slammed America before for trying to get them to play in front of a segregated audience, and having made it known that they wouldn't perform in South Africa because of uh, segregation as as well. This is... I I love the Beatles, you know, but this kind of thing is not anything that I've, like... looked into it's so fascinating to hear about about they were so progressive yeah i love that and i love that and uh and it didn't take the drugs to make them progressive they were progressive before they started going all it was all that hand holding that did it i know Mm -hmm. well i mean if you fucking hold people's hands you're gonna feel a little happier (laughs) (laughs) when you slap people well i don't know i would be pretty happy to slap some people (laughs) around now uh there's one person in particular i'm thinking of slapping Real Me? hard. No, oh. no, not you. <laughs> like, I, not you. It's just to see his so orange young. skin flapping around. Oh, yeah, yeah. that would be really fun. <laughs> In 1965, Unger quoted Ringo Starr saying, quote, Segregation is a lot of rubbish. As far as we're concerned, people are people, no different from each other. We'd never play South Africa if it means a segregated audience. What a lot of rubbish. Mm. End quote. How simple. Yeah, it's really, you know, it's like no, that's crap. We're yeah. not doing it. Yeah, okay. They bought the pieces written by Maureen Cleave and published it on July 29th. Date book. Date book. Okay. Day. The issue would also have an article that promoted interracial dating. Wow, promoted it? Yeah. Like if like you haven't lived until you've tried interracial dating. Yeah. Drop drop your spouse and find <laughs> someone else. Hey sir. Hey uh, sir. Y- yes. You ever considered dating an Asian woman? Well. I've considered it. Uh, How never... about a black woman? Um, uh, I would consider it. A woman from India? What kind of survey is this? <laughs> <laughs> Are you married? <laughs> yeah. Well, have you considered leaving your wife for All the time. Uh, a black woman? All the time. Or an Asian woman? Well, I'm considering it now. How about a Latina? Sure. <laughs> well, you got one of them? We'll give you 500 bucks. Wow. <laughs> it's a great deal. <laughs> Stacy. Yes? Leaving you. Oh, it's been great, honey. But... Okay, cool. Cause I'm, I found this black man named Bob. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's the thing that would blow up the Bible Belt. Right? Uh-huh. There were two quotes from the articles from the Beatles featured on the cover. Mm-hmm. The first was Paul McCartney. He said, "Quote: It's a lousy country with any where anyone black is a dirty n-word." He's talking about America. Yeah. Wow. So he's basically saying that everyone in America views anyone black as a dirty n-word. Okay. Um. And the second quote was from Lenin, which is, quote, I don't know which will go first, rock and roll or Christianity. All right, these are the two lines that are, are featured quoting on the, cover. the article. Okay. Yeah. Wow. All right. So as you can guess, the great people of the United States... Uh, yeah, I'd buy that. Yeah. Okay. So they were, as you know, they were reasonable. And uh, these quotes were actually, they, they, they read the actual articles and respected their right to free speech. Of course. Right? That sounds about what America's about. Sure. Right. Wrong. Right. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Tommy Charles, basically an Alex Jones of his day, I guess. Um, so, you know, terrible and stupid. Uh, Conspiracy was, theorist. It was a DJ for Birmingham's WAQY station. It's pronounced wacky, by the way. Oh, that's funny. Uh, Birmingham's wacky station. So funny. Uh, would look for shocking things to talk about uh, from the news. Mm-hmm. He saw Lennon's quote and was sold. Sure. I he think actually, he was sold long before that, but yeah. sure. He actually didn't even bother reading it or understanding what the article that the article was saying that Lennon was woeful over the spiritual state of the world. He, along with Doug Layton, his partner at the station, uh, decided to spearhead the campaign to, quote, ban the Beatles. Well, we don't know who the Beatles are anymore, so that worked. <laughs> Sorry, for a second I was like, wait, mm-hmm. but we know who the... I just love that. I love, I love boycotting insanely popular stuff. That's right. nice. Good job. Good luck. So, basically, they would refuse to play any of the Beatles' music. Oh, no. Uh, what are the Beatles going to do without being played in Birmingham? I know. <laughs> uh, and this was a direct response to Lennon's blasphemy. Sure, sure. Historians claim that it was really likely that Tommy Charles did this more for publicity rather than for his spiritual offendedness. What? I know. He decided that he would be the voice and defender of Jesus and God, and then is quoted saying, quote, because of their tremendous popularity throughout the world, especially with the younger set, the Beatles have been able to say what they wanted to without any regard for judgment, maturity, or the meaning of it, and no one has challenged them to any degree, end quote. The irony is, he didn't even fucking read it. No. So he's like, he's talking about the meaning of it, and it's like, you didn't read what the meaning was. Mm-hmm. So the radio show was heard by Al Ben, who happened to be the manager of the Birmingham office of the United Press International. Okay. Uh, he decided to print a story... And the rest of the nation picked up on it, and it exploded. Wow, this that's, that's so, fascinating. And uh, once religious people in the South heard the comment, they were forced to take a side. Sure. Because you have to take a side. Oh, you have to take a side. And they all chose God. So, they all chose God against the Beatles? I'm yeah. going to go, I'm, I'm going to take a side, too. Beatles. I'm taking the Beatles side. Beatles. Yeah. I'm just, even even if it's just Ringo left. Yeah. Still taking it. Is he the only one left? No. I think there's I also... Paul no, Paul McCartney, too. Okay, it was yeah. like... <gasps> Don't worry, really no, bad day. don't worry, don't worry, you're fine. Paul McCartney just did carpool karaoke, he's fine. Is Betty White okay? She's okay, she's okay. Uh, okay, <laughs> so, before long, I'm very fragile. I know, the Supreme Court is dead, but Betty White is fine, so don't worry. Before long, uh, other radio stations were participating in the ban. Mm-hmm. A quote from the Rolling Stone some DJs went so far as to actually smash their records live on the air and Reno's KCBN broadcast an anti-Beatle editorial each hour. <laughs> Not to be outdone, Charles and Layton, the unofficial spokesman of the movement, urged listeners to send their Beatles records and paraphernalia to the station to be destroyed with an industrial-grade tree-grinding machine. That's great. So this is wonderful, too. This is another yeah. one of those protests where you have to buy the thing so you can destroy it. Yeah. I love it. An article in the... Really Bur- hurting the Beatles, you guys. I know. An article in a Birmingham Daily Gleaner read, quote, After going through the Beatle grinder, <laughs> borrowed from the Birmingham City Council, all that will be left of the records will be fine dust. <laughs> a box full of the dust will be presented to the Beatle, to the British pop stars when they arrive in Memphis, Tennessee, not far from here, for a concert August 19th. I don't think so. I don't yeah. think they're going to accept it. Yeah. Uh, so following that, there would be protests. Or they're going to think it's hash or something. Yeah, they're like, yeah, let's Oh, smoke we this. can smoke this, right? <laughs> Got high on my records, mate. <laughs> so protests would form around the country and mass burnings of their merchandise would form. So Jeez. do you remember when... Uh, this, this That happened? This all happened? Yeah. Are you kidding? This happened. Is this, whole, is this a deep state conspiracy? No, this is This real, actually happened? Yeah. This is history? This is history. So radio stations would burn their entire collections of the Beatle music. Uh, and they would do this for the public. Uh-huh. So they'd have a show. They'd be like, "Come watch us burn the Beatles music." Uh-huh. And then, and then later, and, and then two years later, they had to go buy them all again. Yes, sure. So, uh, quote from the Rolling Stone: uh, South Carolina's Grand Dragon of the the Ku Klux Klan mm-hmm. nailed several Beatles albums to a cross and set it aflame at a Beatle bonfire in Chester. While Imperial Wizard Robert Shelton of the Klan's Alabama chapter declared the Beatles brainwashed by the Communist Party and criticized them for supporting civil rights. I was I was wondering when we were going to have the crucial voice of the KKK in this. I just want to point out something. If the KKK ever is, support- is on your side, you're, you're on, on the, the wrong, wrong side. side. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. That's pretty much... yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. When the KKK gets involved, you're like, wait, you, you need to re-examine your motives. Yeah, you know you're an asshole. Yeah. Um, 
So a pastor from Cleveland, Ohio, told his members of his congregation that he would excommunicate them if they went to a Beatles concert. (laughs) (laughs) It would eventually reach the Pope, who would condemn the remarks from Lenin, and then South Africa and Spain, both under terrible leadership at the time, would condemn it. Spain under General Franco, the dictator, and South Africa under apartheid. Right. Um, So, you know, those, those two people can go fuck themselves as well. Right. Um, I mean, it's it's very interesting when you get the Pope, Franco, and, like, apartheid South Africa on the same side of something. Yeah. That's fun. The manager, Brian Epstein, was not only sick at this time, like, he had an illness, oh. uh, he w- but he completely panicked at the fact that the boycott was coming when a new album was going to be released, mm-hmm. and that the tour was going to go through the South. Okay. Um, well, okay, so that is a reasonable fear, I think, because, like, look, I just... Like I was just talking about, I just went through this uh, bomb threat. You yeah, know? so it's that very, you have to take it seriously. You do, and 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 look, the KKK is you know organizing. The thing people are organizing around this thing that like there is real threat happening. Right. With uh, with the Beatles, so I as their manager too, I would I would be I would be apoplectic about this kind of thing. What's going to happen? You right. don't know. So their manager Brian Epstein uh, flew. You see what I did? I, I wrote F L U instead of because he was sick. Yeah, you're sick. I know. God damn. <laughs> Why would you write that in the? Okay. So he flew <laughs> <laughs> to New York City to uh, figure out if it was worth it for the show to go on okay. to even to do the tour. He was willing to pay the one million dollars that it would have cost to cancel the tour if it meant saving their lives. Yeah. So during this time, Maureen Cleave would go on the record saying, "Quote." John was certainly not comparing the Beatles to Christ. He was simply observing that, so weak with the state of Christianity, the Beatles was, to many people, better known. Hmm. And Arthur Unger would write, quote, Lennon had a perfect right to make his statements, just as others have a perfect right to disagree with him. Our teenagers show a lot more maturity than many adults give them credit for, and they are quite capable of reading what John has to say, weighing the points he has to make, and then deciding for themselves where they stand. Yeah, but that's not America. Right. All right. We don't, like, listen to somebody and recognize their right to free speech. We listen to somebody and then... We criticize the fuck out of them. Go ape shit. Yeah. (laughs) So... As this was all happening, by the way, Lennon didn't want to comment on it because he, quote, forgot all about it. (laughs) He's like, I don't even remember saying it. I was high. Yeah. So, in fact, McCartney would later talk about this moment in time and reminisce that they thought it was a classic American thing, thinking to buy the product and then burn it. Yeah. Like, you still had to buy it. Yep. Like you were talking about. Exactly. Epstein would eventually go to a press conference with a written apology explaining what Lennon meant. Uh, He said, quote, What he said and meant was that he was astonished that in the last 50 years, the Church of England, and therefore Christ, had suffered a decline in interest. He did not mean to boast about the Beatles' fame. He meant to point out that the Beatles' effect appeared to be, to him, a more immediate one upon certain certain of the younger generation. Right. So he's saying basically right now, because the church hasn't been able to keep up with modern times, mm-hmm. the Beatles are having more influence. So he had a nuanced view, right? but the headline was all that people read. It's, 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 right, it's, it's clickbait. This is so topical. Yeah. It's as if he had said, I could go into the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and not lose supporters. It's, exactly. it's like that, a little. Yeah. And uh, so he also said on air that if people wanted to cancel the shows, they were completely within their right to do so, right? Mm-hmm. But because Americans value money more than a, their pious ideals, uh, no one canceled this show. None of the promoters or the venue people no, canceled none of them. because they were going to make bank on it. Yeah. And it's just like... Well, we anyway. love a controversy. Controversy is money. It sells, yeah. Throughout this time, there were a ton of burnings of the Beatles stuff. Sure. Right? Uh, it became clear that the only way the nation was going to cool their panties was if <laughs> Lennon apologized himself. Okay. So Ringo Starr is quoted saying, John had to apologize, not because of what he'd said, but to save our lives because there were a lot of very heavy threats, not only to him, but to the whole band. Wow. So people were like, I'm going to kill the whole band because of what one guy said, because you guys are friends. Right. And so you all die. Yeah. And I'm like, or maybe go back to your hole, you troll. <laughs> So well, the whole idea is just like I mean you could of course you know not go ape shit like you could just let someone say a thing that you disagree with and let that happen right like, and then or just is not that so hard or not buy a ticket not buy their merchandise yeah you pay boycott with your money I love that 
So Lennon and the rest of the Beatles would hold a press conference at Chicago's Astor Towers Hotel, and he would finally apologize. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he did so without a written statement. Okay. He did it from the cuff. Okay. Um, he started with... Well, it started that way, so... <laughs> <laughs> started with, uh, quote, I'm not anti-God or anti-Christ or anti-religion. I was not knocking it. I was not saying we're better or greater or comparing us with Jesus Christ as a person or God as a thing or whatever it is. Hmm. I happen to be talking to a friend and I used the word Beatles as a remote thing. Beatles like other people see us. I said they are having more influence on kids and things than anything else, including Jesus. I said it in that way, which was the wrong way. Hmm. Um, then after being pressed for an actual apology, he said, quote, I wasn't saying what they're saying I was saying. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry I said it, really. I never meant to be it to be a lousy, anti-religious thing. I apologize if that will make you happy. I, <laughs> I still don't know quite what I've done. I've tried to tell you what I did do, but if you want me to apologize, if that will make you happy, then oh, okay, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, that's not real. He was No, he I was actually it. crying when he was saying this. <laughs> oh, what? And, uh, yeah, and he looked very sincere, and he really was sorry for it. Okay. He was sorry that... He wasn't sorry for what he said. He's sorry for how it came across. Sure. And it was frustrating to him. Okay. Um, and he was scared for his friends. And, yeah. You know, he didn't want them to die. Yeah. When an off-the-cuff comment makes you, like, a target of, of right-wing hate, that's, that's right. a bad feeling. Yeah. And it's it just, you know, it's another evidence of, like... Similar to Roseanne, maybe think about what you say. Sure. Maybe don't be a racist asshole. Sure. Yeah. Um, These are both good things to, you know, think, think to about. do. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so the think pub- about things and don't be a racist asshole. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, my to-do list is done. Good. So the uh, public seeing this uh, softened their tone on him. And wacky DJs, Charles <laughs> and Lan- uh, Layton... The leaders of the, quote, band, the Beatles, uh, canceled their bonfire plans. Oh, good. They could keep the records. Um, however, people later learned that it was more, more likely due to the fact that they couldn't get a permit. Aha! So, um, they're like, we're going to cancel it because he said he's sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. What were we going to do? I know. Otherwise, we're going to be out there with, like, a little lighter. <laughs> One more bonfire burning did happen, though, via the Clue with a K radio station okay and the uh, following day the station was struck by lightning and the news director was knocked out and their equipment was destroyed utterly so we know whose side god was on yep at least so uh the tour would go on but it was a tour that the beatles didn't enjoy why i don't i don't know i mean oh. protest signs were at each and every one oh. uh signs saying quote beatles go home and quote jesus died for you john lennon whoa six kkk members would march outside the performance in washington dc so in huge, support. Huge march. <laughs> huge march. Uh, all of this, a huge march of KKK. It would all be uh, laughable, though, compared to the main event in Memphis. Ooh. Uh, they had received death threats if they were to show up, and only three years prior, JFK had been assassinated. And this is a couple of years before uh, Martin Luther King was actually assassinated in, in Memphis. Correct. Too. Um, okay, so if that wasn't even enough... Of uh, all that, like, threats and stuff, several bullet holes were found in their airplane's fuselage. Oh. Uh, so the mayor and the board passed resolutions saying they uh, officially disapproved <laughs> and that the Beatles weren't welcome in their city. Oh, they passed a resolution, did they? Yeah. We don't like it. Yeah, we don't like it at all. I don't know. Why are they, why are they British? They're Southern. We don't like it! Yeah. And uh, Epst- Epstein tried to convince the Beatles to cancel this show, uh, but the Beatles felt that if they bowed to terrorists, uh, they might as well just go home. How topical was this there, Jason? Well done. I yeah. we, there was no collusion. There was no collusion. Uh, in, in this. I had no idea we were talking about this today, but interesting that we're yeah, this all talking about terrorist threats. Fun today. fact, we were supposed to record this a week ago before yeah. the concert. That's true, and yeah. it ended up happening now. Yeah. Because uh, I was I because I I was sick. Yeah, you were with you flew. I, I, I flew here. <laughs> <laughs> so and as the Beatles flew mm-hmm. into the airport at, in Memphis Lennon was sad because he idolized Elvis, and uh, he couldn't enjoy, enjoy being in Elvis's hometown. That is sad. You um, ever been to Graceland? I've not been to Graceland. My parents have, though, and they bought me a shirt. Nice. That uh, has little buttons that are, say, TBC, uh, TCB. TCB, and then a little lightning. Yeah. And taking care of business in I a know flash. That. I know that because I've been to Graceland. Grace, gone to Graceland, to Graceland. That's why we went, because oh. of the Paul Simon song. I My know. mom, like, drove us across the country because of that Paul Simon song. We gotta go to... Graceland. Graceland. Everybody get in the car. Memphis. I don't Minnesota. know why that's your mom. I can't figure out. She doesn't even have my mom. I know. <laughs> that's crazy. I love your mom. I love my mom too. So, okay. and yours. Ah, uh, hello, moms. Hey, moms. Uh, around eighty policemen 
were assigned to the Beatles. Okay. Uh, and they would send out limos as a decoy ahead of the bus that was designed to protect them from snipers. Okay. McCartney would be quoted talking about the protesters that were waiting for them at the venue. Quote, we pulled in there in the coach and there was a little, this little blonde haired kid. He couldn't have been no older than 11 or 12 who barely came up to the window screaming at me through the plate glass, banging on the window with such vehemence. I thought, gosh, I wonder how much he knows about God. He's hmm. only a young boy. Huh. It can only be what he's been fed, and he's been fed that we are the Antichrist or something. This was the face of a zealot. That's inc- that's so... Mortifying, like, right? Yeah, and also so clear. Like, Paul McCartney, thank yeah. you for that, like, um, recollection. That's so... It's yeah. really disturbing. And, and the bus, by the way, was designed in a way where they had to sit, like, it was bulletproof and stuff but they were sitting on the ground of the bus so they couldn't even be seen wow that's how they had to go in right uh clansmen would later be interviewed saying that they were going to make sure the show ended early they had two shows planned for that day and the first was totally fine mm-hmm. so this is really reminiscent of your thing it really is bit. like I'm, um, I'm having a i'm having just are you okay i'm i'm fine i'm fine but i'm actually like getting nervous like really nervous for these guys in the evening show it would start, and the early part of the show, a child threw a cherry bomb towards them and injured several audience members. What? Yep. It sounded like a rifle, and the audience would panic. Oh, my God. Yeah. How? That's insane. That happened? Mm-hmm. And okay. each, each member of the Beatles would turn to see if the other was shot. All of them looked at John Lennon last because they were convinced that he had just been killed. Whoa. And um, they finished the show playing the songs in, like, double time, because they were like, we're going to give you your show, and then get the fuck out of here. Oh, my God. Uh, they The final... Wait, they finished the show? Yeah. There was a bomb in the audience. They yep. finished the show? Yeah. Okay. They would play only one more time in San Francisco, and that was On it. that tour? Ever. What do you mean? They they stopped touring after that. You're they be- kidding. They became a... Uh, 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 this was the second to last show the Beatles ever did? Yep. Are you kidding? Yep. They decided that they were going to just be a recording band as opposed to a touring band. Holy crap. Yep. Really? Yep. They were like... It's Thank not- you, the South! Yeah, it's not worth it. So tons of people never got to see the Beatles because the South couldn't get their heads out of their ass. Ugh. Lennon would later die by gunshot from right. Mark David Chapman, who is a born-again Christian. Is that right? And he had loved the Beatles, but after that quote, more popular than Jesus, comment, he felt betrayed, so he assassinated him. Whoa. Uh, so, what's the bright side to all this? <sighs> there is some. There is some bright side. Okay, this... I, I, I love that we've come to the bright side of this. This is really... This blew my mind, this, <sighs> this, this thing today, because I've heard of the bigger than Jesus comment, but I had no fucking idea it was such a thing. That it was a tragedy that shook all of America. And it led to the end of the Beatles touring ever? Yeah. Oh my god. Occasionally they would like play like a rooftop concert for like something really special or they'd go on like Ed Sullivan or something like huge. Right. But for the most part it was like no we're done. Wow. And I I don't blame them. I don't blame them either. What is the bright side? So to me the bright side is Lennon's message of love really did touch way more people than than the haters volume would try to drown it out. This is... That is so important because that's kind of the thing. Like, we did, we focus on the bad stuff that happened here. Right. Like, because that's what we're talking about. But, and that's who sometimes makes the most noise yep. is those people. But just like we, I saw in Glendale, like, one person caused the problem, yeah. right? Uh, but then an entire community went the other way and rallied the other direction. Right. So... I think that that's a huge bright side is like, like the message of love, uh, got far much more attention, you know, than I don't know, or got, yeah, found a, a, a much wider home right. than the message of hate. Yeah. And the, um, the other one is that the Beatles would survive the, uh, the shame of a controversy. Sure. Because well, they're still was... the most popular and best known rock band ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, I just like it, though, because it just shows that when if you say something and you mean it and it's a bad thing, then you'll probably get shut down like Roseanne did. Mm. Or if you do something terrible like, you know, Weinstein, like those mm-hmm. kind of things, eventually it'll catch up to you and you'll get slammed down. But, like, there are people who make up controversies about people all the time that aren't true. True. And, and or it's like, you know oh, they're gay and they don't deserve whatever. <laughs> and it's like, in the long run, it shows that 
love will win mm-hmm. and that these sham of controversies are going to be dated and it's like and he's right his quote is right at the end of the day i do believe it's probably not gonna be for hundreds of years i do believe religion will fade from this planet yeah. i think that uh, as we become more well, scientific most religions have right like like there you know there's there's the the ones that are hanging on but most of them have gone away we right. we think about it in terms of like well, that's because it's the problem. It's like when you decide that you know what God wants, but then the world changes, like you have to adapt. Right. You know, and religions don't really keep up with, with the pace of the world. Not so much because yeah. that's their very essence is saying this is the static answer that will always be and is not changing. And the world goes, no, sorry. The only thing I do is change. Yeah. You know, um, so, yeah, that that all that stuff has to adapt or, you know, I also or perish. Another great bright side is the fact that the Beatles didn't cave to terrorism. Yeah, they didn't tour anymore, but that was not a... They weren't doing it out of fear as much as they were just like, it's not fun. It's not worth it. It's not worth it for right. us. They they still did this tour well, as an act of defiance. What year was this? This is 1966, right? Yeah. So most of the Beatles' great, great music happened after this. Yeah. So we're talking about, like... Their decision to, this is the bright side I was thinking, was their decision to stop touring led to them becoming like an, uh, a studio group and, and that writing created even better music. That they could really focus on yeah. their creativity instead of having to be in different cities every day yeah. doing the old stuff. So they, they were able to grow and, and uh, you know, um, evolve as a band much faster probably because they weren't touring and they didn't have to. Right. Uh, and because, it, because of stuff like that, it's not worth it to them. So I think that's a real bright side is they probably really grew as a band because they could focus on the studio work. So similar to what we were talking about with Glendale, with the one person trying to shut them down to stop their message... In a way, this is the same exact thing. Someone mm-hmm. tried, a bunch of people tried to say, we're, we're stopping you, mm-hmm. and all it did was make them grow even faster. Right, more determined to become what they were going to be, and also more creative. Right, well, it's kind of like if you cut back a bunch of ivy, they're going to grow oh, faster. Oh, I was hoping we would get to a gardening <laughs> reference, thank you. <laughs> I was getting worried. I mean, we're an hour in, hoy. <laughs> I like plants. I know, I know you do. Um, so yeah, that's that's... This is a really interesting topic. Yeah. Oi, thank you. I so, had no idea. If you have any uh, fun Beatles memories listening I, to I it. told you, no, no, not you how old I am. I'm talking to the, you... I'm talking to the listeners. Oh. If you have any <laughs> If you have any fun memories with the Beatles, add us. Tell us about them. Yeah. Tell us what what you liked about the Beatles. What you do like about the Beatles. For sure. Maybe you still like like them. I like I listen to them. I love the Beatles, you know. So thanks, everybody, for listening this week and every week. Uh, keep rating and reviewing us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for the people who have rated yeah, and told with, your friends. Share with your friends and family. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, have a wonderful week. And keep looking on the bright side, guys. It's going to be a tough one this week, but keep doing it. It's important. Yeah, we're going to get there. Yeah. Bye. Bye. We hope you've liked this episode of The Bright Side with Kevin and Jason. If you did, please throw us some stars and give us a review on iTunes. It really helps others find the show. And if you didn't, just keep it to yourself or tell your diary. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at BrightsideKNJ and on Facebook at The Bright Side with Kevin and Jason. All our past episodes are also streaming on our website www.thebrightsidewithkevinandjason.com Until next week, don't forget to look, look on, on The Bright, bright Side! side.